So here we are in our service, our sermon series, Go! The Gospel in Action. What we've been talking about over the past several weeks is we have been talking about what, what happened when, when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they tried to stop the message of Jesus. And we took it from the time of Easter and, and how Jesus came and he died for the forgiveness of our sins. And he, raised himself, he was raised from the dead. And then the, the good news about that event began to spread, and the Pharisees tried to stop it. And the more and more they tried to stop it, the more and more it just spread and spread and spread. And last week, we saw how there's, there's this suffering. There's, there was these martyrs and people that died, how Stephen died for the gospel. And we come to this place where all of the people are scattered, and they're not scattered in fear, but they're scattered in order to share the good news of Jesus. And that movement, that momentum that took place over 2,000 years ago still carries forth in this service this morning because we are people about moving the message of Jesus forward. And so as we do that this morning, as we talk about the importance of of going forth and sharing our faith with people, we're going to pray, and then I've got a couple stories. So Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for the example that we have seen in Philip here in this piece of Scripture. And as we dissect this a little bit this morning, God, we pray that you would speak the words that you need to have spoken, that you would help us to hear what we need to hear, but convict us this morning, God, and help us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, I, have, I have a couple of kids. I've got a son, Brandon, and a daughter, Becca. They're both extremely awesome. My, my son, Brandon, is seven years old. And he's recently discovered this video game called Minecraft. Okay? All, yeah, all the parents and kids know what it is. And basically what it is, for those of you that don't know what Minecraft is, it's basically Legos, but it's a video game. And you get to create your own universe, your own world. And not only do you get to create your own world, you get to invite people into your world. So all of your neighbors, anybody that has an Xbox, they can be together, talking together, playing together, creating these own worlds. I sat on one of my days off and created a nice arena that said, let's go pens in it. It was awesome. But my son has this creativity that's absolutely amazing. And, and they make these elaborate worlds that, that until you see it, some of you have seen it, it's, it's pretty cool, actually. So one day I'm sitting in my back room reading and I'm studying, and, and I hear Scripture being orated from my living room. And it was funny because it was like in kids speak. It was like hearing this testimony coming from the mouth of my son. And I'm thinking... Who's he talking to? I come out, and there's my son playing his Minecraft video game with his little headset on, having church. What him and his cousin did in their Minecraft world is they decided that they wanted to build all this stuff, but they needed to honor God, so they built a church in their Minecraft world. And so every day, he's sitting over there going, oh, Dad, I can't believe you're telling everybody this. So every day they would have like a church service and they would invite people. And so there was pigs and chickens and and this guy called the Enderman who is in the game. and, And they all show up at church. But also the neighbor kid. The neighbor kid. Sorry, that just got to me. I didn't cry earlier. The neighbor kid is sitting in church listening to my son read scripture. The kids that he knows from my cousin's school, they're sitting there reading the scripture, and I said, Brandon, what are you doing? Dad, we're having church. 
okay, I get that, but isn't this like your video game? He's like, yeah, but this is what we do. And I, and I look at that moment and I go, okay, this is awesome. I'm a great dad, you know, beat my chest. No, the reality is we have an awesome children's ministry here, and my son paid attention to some things. And so, so God's good. It's not about that, but what it's really about is the fact that I have a seven-year-old child who had an experience with Jesus, who believes what he says he is, and it's just natural for everything in his life. It doesn't make sense to have Minecraft without Jesus to him. And, and so for me, I'm sitting here going, shame on me. Because God has given me a platform. He's put people in my life every day. And for some reason, I'll be given the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And like a coward, I don't. Does that sound like you? Why is it so hard to share our faith? A seven-year-old little guy got it. My cousin, or his cousin, Lukey, who he plays with, he got it. And they invite their friends to Minecraft church. And they talk about Jesus. There's a movement going on in our culture that if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. All we hear about is how the world is going down the toilet. All the morality is bad and, and all this stuff. And if you listen to the media, if you listen to what's being presented out there, you know, you look at what's on TV uh, on some of these channels and you see some of the garbage that's out there, you know, destroying what the family's looking like and all this stuff. And you hear everybody say, well, that's just what people are into today you can very easily get discouraged. But the reality of it is, there's three TV shows that have been on TV this past spring that blew everything out of the water. The first one is a show called The Walking Dead. Okay, some of you watch it. The Walking Dead is an amazing show that when you really watch it for what it is, it's a show about the end of humanity. And how people at the end of themselves are struggling to figure out who they are, what their purpose is. They're asking the question of why are we even here? And they're longing for something. The second show is a show about a bunch of rednecks. These guys, Annie decided they were going to do a show called Duck Dynasty and it was going to be about these guys who... Everyone, you guys watch this show, who they're going to show, show these rednecks and what they do. And, and by the way, they're into this whole God thing, but we're going to put that in the back corner. But if you've ever watched this number one rated TV show, God, Jesus, is at the forefront. In fact, this past week I picked up this book called Happy, Happy, Happy by Phil Robertson. And I picked it up with expectations like, maybe I'll read this book and he'll say something about Jesus. I didn't get one page in. And he's asked the question, and if you don't know the story of these guys, these guys were, 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 were people that created a duck call and they became bajillionaires overnight. And, and Phil still lives in a double-wide trailer. They keep it real. And, and, and if you've never watched the show, I highly encourage you to watch it. But when asked on Good Morning America... What have you done with all your fame? What, what is, how has it changed your life? This is what Phil Robertson replied on TV as well in his books. He says, This opportunity has given me an opportunity to preach the gospel, which I absolutely feel compelled to do. I hope that this allows me to help people who get to hear the gospel Following Jesus has been a blast, and the Lord has blessed me in a mighty way. This is truly what makes me happy, happy, happy. 
You can clap for that. The next show is something that has rocked the very places where you work. Here's this guy creates a TV show named Mark Burnett called Survivor. And all of a sudden, he gets this acceptance of Jesus, and he meets this awesome wife of his, and he gets a calling from the Lord to make a TV series called The Bible. How many of you guys had someone ask you about that that normally would never talk to you about the Bible? I talked to my father-in-law and countless peoples and conversations about Jesus and Scripture had been coming up. I'm here to tell you folks, I don't care what the media is telling us. Our culture is ripe for the gospel. We live in a culture that is dying to hear the good news. They know that they're here for a reason. They don't know why they're here. They figure it's got to be something bigger than than just the, the American dream. And the truth of it is, the answer is Jesus. And all of us sitting in this room who proclaim to be believers, we have that good news. We have that answer, but we're afraid to tell people about it because we think they'll laugh at us. Listen, the number one stuff on TV right now is about Jesus. People want to know the answer. These guys that are out there proclaiming it, they're not being humiliated. They're being glorified. People watch Doc Dynasty and they go, I want what that guy has. They don't want the money. They don't want the redneck. They don't want the guns. What they want is a family who loves Jesus, who gets goodness. We have the answer to the world's problems. And I sit in my back room reading about it while my son is playing video games doing it. Who's the educated one here? <laughs> this morning we find ourselves in a scenario with this, with this guy, Philip. See, Philip was one of the guys that got scattered. When, when Stephen was killed and martyred and they tried to stop the church, this Philip guy went out and he began to do miracles. He was an evangelist. He was a corporate preacher. He went out and he began to spread the good news of Jesus. He healed people from from being crippled. He he did all this amazing stuff. He led people to Jesus. And if we saw an evangelist like that today, we would put him on a pedestal, wouldn't we? We'd say, that guy's pretty awesome. We've got to give him the biggest church in the world and and, and we've got to do this. And we tend to look at the, the, the big preachers as the best evangelists, as the only way to share the gospel. And so here we see Philip... This guy go out. In verse 9 of chapter 8, Philip messes up. Philip shares the gospel with a guy who claims to be a sorcerer. His name's Simon. And and instead of really believing in the power of the Holy Spirit for, for what the Holy Spirit was, he believed that he could actually master the Holy Spirit and use it to make money. And so when Simon shared the gospel with this guy, or when Philip shared the gospel with Simon, the reality of it is Philip messed it up. But then we come to this third instance that mentions Philip. And it's dealing with this Ethiopian guy. And I want to read this to you. And then, then if you you know, I want you to take notes today. Because I'll be honest with you, one of the things that people come to me more about anything is how do I share my faith? How do I share the gospel? And the reality of it is, as a church, as a pastor, I have to apologize to you because we overcomplicate it. We make it like there's these 20 bajillion steps you've got to follow, and then you've got to do this, you've got to do this, and then you spin around and shake your foot about, and then you can talk to them about Jesus. And the reality of it is it's not that complicated. 
It's really not. And so I want you to take notes this morning so that if something that's said, if you need a pen, you can raise your hand. The ushers will come around and give you a pen. You've got paper when you came in. I I really want you to take notes because we are all equipped. If you know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him, you are equipped to share the gospel of Jesus. And I'm going to show you how by looking at Philip's life right now. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Acts 8, 26 with me. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. He was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. One might say this guy had a little bit of power. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book, of Isaiah the prophet. Let me tell you something. If you own a chariot back in this day, you are royalty. If you have a book or a scroll and you're reading it out loud, you are a very educated, sophisticated, important person. If you're in a caravan of people and you have the identity as the, as the minister of treasury, you're significant. And Simon encounters this guy. Now I want you to think about what it would be like if, if somebody from the treasury department was walking through Swickley and all of us just ran up and started talking to him. You would get tackled, wouldn't you? This is kind of the scenario that he's encountering right now. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. After sitting there listening for a while, he says, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone explained it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Do you think they just sat there and just looked at it and go, hmm, Or do you think they had a dialogue? Do you think they had a conversation? The passage of Scripture that he was reading from Isaiah is Isaiah 53. And this whole passage of Scripture is is prophesying like verbatim about Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. And so what happens is, is Philip's invited up into into the guy's chassis, into the car, and they start talking about what this means. He says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? So Philip got in. The eunuch was reading this passage It said, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear, he was silent. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, would you tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And he told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. Should I get baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Notice it didn't say Philip said, Oh, there's water. Let's baptize you. Something in the communication of the gospel happened where the eunuch understood there was an obedience to baptism. Hey, I'm going to follow this Jesus guy, so in obedience, I'm going to show everybody by being baptized. The eunuch asked to be baptized. 
When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. That would be awesome if I was done preaching and all of a sudden I vanished. (laughs) And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. As I looked at this scripture passage, there's really nine things. As I said, you can't give like these little things to, to learn about sharing the gospel. As we look at this scripture passage, I picked out nine like key facts when it comes to sharing our faith that Philip really uh, was a good example of. See, we've talked already at the fact that people want to hear the good news of the gospel. And when we look at this story, we find that the first thing that Philip did right... Because look, Philip was an evangelist. There's two types of evangelism out there. Do you know what evangelism is? It's sharing the gospel. And there's two ways to do that. Corporately, like what we're doing right now. We get together as a big group and we corporately share our faith. Then there's the relational or the personal way to share your faith. And I'm going to tell you right now, relational evangelism, one-on-one evangelism, is so much more effective and so much more potent than anything that we could ever generate from a platform or a stage. Listen to me. You can get to places we as pastors and preachers and whoever else cannot. People expect me to say, Jesus is Lord. But when they see you, someone who works beside them, someone that has wept with them, someone that has helped them through things in life, and they say, what's the difference in this guy? And they find out that it's Jesus. That is a much more potent way of evangelism. By living and breathing with people, you can by far be much more effective as an evangelist than Billy Graham, than John Guest, than myself, because you can get to the places that need it. Do you hear me? If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a responsibility for this message. And the reality is, is the Holy Spirit, like it did to Philip, speaks to us. Look, Philip preached it from the pulpit. Philip screwed it up like we're all going to do. There's going to be moments in our lives, people, where we try to share the gospel with somebody and we botch it. You know why? Because we're trying to be in control. But where Philip got it right in this passage of Scripture is Philip was simply obedient to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, I want you to go walk on the road. Well, thanks, Lord. Could you be a little more clear? You want me to go evangelize by walking down the road? He says, I want you to go stand by that chariot. The Holy Spirit revealed to him. And in this moment, Philip could have been like, This is stupid. I'm not going to walk up to that chariot. That guy's not going to listen to anything I have to say. I have no right to speak to him. He's black. I'm Arabic. He's not going to want to hear anything I have to say. But instead, he's obedient to the Holy Spirit. And he walks up, just feeling that pull on his heart. He walks up and he stands there. Now, when Philip got to the chariot, he didn't know what necessarily was going on. He didn't even know the guy was actually reading Isaiah until he actually got up there. So Philip starts by being obedient. He's obedient to the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. God has put somebody on your heart. God has put something on your heart to say or to do, and you've been disobedient. We all have. Because in our minds we have this fear that sharing the gospel is something that that will make us look bad or we're afraid or we feel like we don't know how. Philip was obedient. 
Understanding, Philip didn't have a Bible with him. Understanding, Philip hadn't been educated from the greatest theological seminary in the world. He simply knew enough scripture and had an experience with Jesus. So Philip was obedient. Like I said before, he didn't get bogged down in the fact that he's got an Ethiopian man, most likely a black guy, walking down the road. He didn't didn't get all uh, racist about it. He didn't get all fearful about it. He simply, in obedience, went and he did cross-cultural ministry. See, the gospel transcends, and point two, it transcends language barriers. The gospel transcends skin color. It transcends the type of food you eat, the continent that you live on. And I've oftentimes heard people say, well, why are we going so far away to do ministry when there's ministry to be had right here? Because we're commanded to minister everywhere. Regardless of economic background, regardless of of our education, everybody should hear the good news of Jesus. Philip was obedient. He walked up to a place and he broke the cultural barrier. This guy was an Ethiopian Jew. That's unique. And Philip was obedient. He recognized when he got there that the man was reading Scripture. And so Philip knew that God was doing something in this moment. And you're going to have these moments in your life where you're just going to see God moving. Maybe you've had them this week. Where God's done something in such a way that you know you're supposed to do something. You know that you're supposed to talk to this person about their faith. And and it causes your skin to crawl. It makes you uncomfortable. You get that weird feeling in your stomach. Like, I just know I should do something. A lot of times we don't because we're afraid that we're going to mess it up. Listen to me. The thing that he got right here was Philip recognized that the heart of the Ethiopian was prepared by God. He had the book of Isaiah with him. That's a big deal back in the day. He had a scroll. He's reading Isaiah. God prepared his heart for this moment. And so Philip needed to be obedient because Philip wasn't the first person to talk to him about God. He he had converted to Judaism. The heart of this man was being prepared by God. Philip was being asked to step out of his comfort zone and be obedient to this guy. And so the third thing I want you to write down is to understand the heart of the person you're sharing your faith with is not prepared by you. It's prepared by God. You may be the first person to tell them about Jesus. Well, guess what? They may not accept Jesus. You may be the 23rd person to tell them about Jesus, and they might accept Christ. There's a lineage in sharing the gospel that we all need to be on the same page because we're all joining in on it. And the hearts of the people are prepared by God. When the moment came, Philip asked the question. He recognized, okay, this guy's reading a prophecy about Jesus. How can I start a conversation with this guy? Should I go Oxford on him? Should I begin to go really deep? Or should I just simply ask him the question, do you understand what you're reading? I mean, think about the context of that little statement. It's not some deep thing. It's not a clever anecdote. It's not an awesome story. It is a simple question of, do you really understand that? He didn't debate with the man. He didn't argue with the guy. He came to the realization he didn't understand what he's talking about. He could explain it to him. So he got up in the chariot, and then he asked him some questions. He talked to him, and he started with Scripture. Listen to me. A 
lot of times we don't share our faith because we feel like we don't know the Bible enough or we feel like we're not educated enough. That's rubbish. Philip didn't even have a Bible to work from. He knew the Old Testament and he had an experience with Jesus that was absolutely real. Listen to me. When you're sharing your faith, maybe you're that person that that you can't memorize Scripture. I'm that guy. I'm terrible at memorizing Scripture. But I can tell you what I can do is I can read the Scripture, I can get the gist of it, and I can relay that message. And so if you're out there and you're not sharing your faith because you're afraid you don't know the Scripture well enough, first off, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. The Holy Spirit will prepare the heart of the person that you're talking to. And thirdly, base everything you say on Scripture. If you're basing it on Scripture, you're not wrong. And tell the people, I don't know it verbatim, but you know what? This is what it says. Do you know that's okay to do that? Did you know that? You know that John 3.16 says something about God loving the world so much he sent Jesus, right? That's good enough when you're talking to people. When it comes up in conversation, base everything that you say on Scripture. Base everything you say on Scripture. Philip shared his experience that he personally had with Jesus with this guy. And all you got to do is share what Jesus has done in your life. Jesus clearly changed forever. He changed you. He did something at you. Something came alive in you. Share your Jesus experience with people like Philip did. Philip made sure that Jesus was the point of the entire conversation. When God gives you that teachable moment, when God opens that door for you to speak about your faith, always bring it back to Jesus, as Stephen did, as John and Peter did. Bring it back to Jesus, because Jesus should always be the point of that conversation. Eight, aim at a response. When you're done with the conversation, ask the person, what did you think about that? I'm not telling you you have to take them down to a river and drown them and tell them they have to be baptized now or thump them over the head with the Bible and say, see, I told you you were wrong. Ask them a simple question. What do you think about that? Notice in the scripture, it doesn't say, Philip went, let's get baptized. It said the eunuch was so excited about this news and so excited about this change, he wanted to be baptized. And if, and if we're sharing the gospel correctly, if we're demonstrating the gospel correctly, and we're telling the story correctly, people will be excited to be baptized. That's awesome, right? That's how we should be. We should have a passion and a fire about it. You aim it at a response, and then you encourage baptism. Sharing your faith is a lot easier than we make it out to be. God has created you in a unique place, in a unique time, with a unique platform that nobody else has. Maybe for you, the only person you'll ever speak to is one person. Maybe for you, you have access to thousands of people to say something bold, like Phil Robertson does. Phil Robertson in this moment could have been all about himself, all about me, but instead, he pointed all the glory to God. You have a platform to make a statement for Jesus in a world that needs to hear it. What are you saying? Church, what are you saying? Because the reality of it is, is we are saying something. The question is, is it the gospel? Or is it us? Or are we fearful?
The gospel goes forward. The gospel goes forward. You can either be a part of it or watch it go by. My prayer is that God will put you in a situation this week where you can share your faith, where you can share what Christ has done in your life, that you won't be ashamed, that you won't be afraid. Because listen to me, we have a culture that is looking for hope. They're looking for answers. It was quoted recently in one of our sermons here that it's cruel if you have the answer and you don't share it with people. I think it was Penn Jillette who said that. If you're a Christian and you're not telling me about the gospel, it's cruel. And if we really believe what we say we believe, that's right on. So let us go out as a church, unified, sharing the gospel. And let's tell the world that Jesus is alive. Because that is something to be excited about. That is awesome. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the life of Philip and how bold he was to step out of his comfort zone, how bold he was to be obedient to even walking crazy long distances, Lord, not even knowing what you had. But God, you had a purpose and a plan. And this Ethiopian man would then go back and continue to share the gospel. He was a, he was a government official. God, what a platform for you to be proclaimed from. We thank you for the ways that you do share the gospel through Minecraft, through bold people on television, Lord. But each one of us has a platform and an opportunity. So we pray in your name this week, God, that you would prepare an opportunity and a place for us to tell the world that Jesus lives.